Sefer Daniel, Chapter 10, Perek Yod. Pasuk Aleph. Bishnat Shalosh Lechoresh Melech Paras, Davar Niglal Daniel Asher Nikrashemo Belteshatzar. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a matter was revealed to Daniel, who had been renamed Belteshatzar, you will remember, by Nebuchadnezzar. Ve'emet davar. the matter was true. Ve'tzavagadol, but a long time off. Ubinet davar. So it was revealed to Daniel for him to understand the matter and to explain it to him through a vision. Now this date, the third year of Koresh, is the latest date in the book. It, it's two years after Koresh decreed that everybody could return to Zion. And based on the book of Ezra, it would seem to be when Koresh stopped to work on the Beit HaMikdash, approximately the year 536 BCE, 70 years after Yirmiyahu. So he now has a vision that's going to explain to him what has happened. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three sevens of days. What does this mean? It could either mean, pshat-wise, three weeks, 21 days. According to Rashi, it was 21 years, three times seven yamim, meaning years. When did these happen? Rav Sadia cites the opinion of some people, which is that it happened Ben HaMitzarim, the three weeks between Shivasar B'Tamuz and Tisha B'Av, but then discredits this theory, since the first temple was destroyed on the 9th of Tammuz, not the 17th, and I'm sorry, the destruction began on the 9th of Tammuz and ended with the full destruction of the building on the 10th of Av. That's 30 days. And also because we're going to see that the date in Pasuk Dalit doesn't work. Um, Barbanel says it was from Rosh Chodesh Nisan to the 24th of Nisan, which will work with the date. But how does that be 21 days? Because he skipped three Shabbatot. The Dat Mikra says it was from the 4th of Nisan till the 24th of Nisan. Question is, how could he fast on the holiday of Pesach, which is in the middle? But a fast for a neder is allowed to be um, fulfilled even over a holiday. And we know that from the Rambam. Okay, and finally, the Ibn Ezra says it was the first month of Koresh's third year. But most commentaries feel that this is not really a strong, um, a strong theory and disregard it. In any case, he is engaged in some kind of mourning behavior, and we're going to describe it more. Pasuk Gimel, Lechem chamudot lo achalti, I didn't eat desirable food. Ubasar v'yayin lo ba'alpi, and meat and wine did not enter my mouth. Sounds like the nine days. V'soch lo sachti, and I didn't anoint myself. Ad milot shiloshet shavuim yamim, until the completion of those three septets that happened. Rasadya points out that from here we learn out that in general one may eat meat and wine even though we are in exile um, because here he specifically says that he didn't eat wheat, meat and wine as an additional level of mourning. This is also the level of mourning of an onen, a person who, God forbid, has a family member pass away for whom they will be obligated to sit shiva from the time of death until the time of the funeral, certain more stringent rules of mourning apply. One of them is that the person may not eat meat nor drink wine. And we can compare this mourning to David's mourning behavior when his child, who he had conceived with Bathsheba in sin, became ill. Shmuel bet, Perak bet. 
Pasuk Dalit. Ubayom Esrim Ba'arbala Chodesh Harishon. And on the 24th day of the first month, which we can say was the month of Nisan, based on most of the commentaries. Va'aniyayiti al yad hanahar hagadol. And I was standing next to the great river. Huchidekel, that is the Chidekel normally known as the Tigris River. Either he was really there, or according to the Rabag, he had a vision that he was there. Now we know that usually the Nahar Agadol is the Euphrates. Rav Sadia explains that the Tigris River is bigger near Babel than the Euphrates, and that's where Daniel is. Or this is bigger compared to the stream, the Ovel Ulai that he saw in the previous, um, in his previous vision. Notice also, it's just interesting that you have the idea of revelation by water, which is a theme throughout Nebuah. Pasuke. The Esat Enai, I lifted up my eyes, and I saw, and behold, Ishechad Lavush Badim, one man clothed in linen. Umotnav Chagurim Bechetem Ufaz, and his loins are girded with a girdle of fine gold. So he sees a person who is dressed in white linen and who is wearing a golden belt. Um, and the fact that it says Ish, we'll see in a few minutes, is possibly a hint to the idea that he's Ha'ish Gabriel, who we encountered in Perak Tet, because this is not a man, it really is an angel, we will discover shortly. Now, what does it mean that his loins are girded? So that is a sign of somebody who's on an official task. We tell somebody, gird your loins and assume responsibility. He is here in an official capacity um, to give a message to Daniel. Vigviato, his body, Kitarshish, looked like the Tarshish stone. Tarshish stone, it seems to be, is an aquamarine color. Um, it could also be some kind of crystal. Ufanav barak. And his face looked like um, lightning. Ve'enav esh. And his eyes were like flaming torches. kalal. And his arms and legs had the color of polished copper. And the sound of his words was as loud as the sound of multitudes of people speaking. So we have this idea with all these different colors, blue, yellow, red, gold, to making a very deep impression on him. He realizes it's not a human being. And only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The people who were with me did not see the vision. We'll come back to the idea of who were these people. But some sort of great fear fell upon them. And they ran away to hide. So who were these people? He says, I saw this vision. Who were these people that didn't see the vision? According to the Gemara, it was Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi, the last three prophets of the Jewish people. But they did not merit to this vision. According to Rav Sadia, it was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions from the lion's den. Pshat would probably mean that it was his students that were accompanied with him. The Rabag points out that this was also part of his dream, that he dreamt that there were people with him who didn't know what was going on. And somehow subconsciously, they realized there was something going on. They were very afraid, and they ran away. And um, we should not be surprised about the subconscious level of arousal. Even Bilam's donkey sensed there was something when Bilam did not realize it. Pasukhet. So I remained alone. And I saw this great vision. I had no strength left in me. My, my shining face turned to looking like destruction. And I could not 
maintain my strength. I feel totally isolated and I feel totally overawed and overwhelmed by this, by this vision. By the way, this is the only vision in the book of Daniel, which is called Hamara Hagdola, the great vision. And since he did see some really unusual things, it, this must have really, really um, astonished him. Pasuk Tet. And I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep or I was in a faint on my face. And my face was towards the ground. So he fainted when he heard this voice. Remember, the voice sounded like the voice of many people. And behold, a hand touched me. And it moved me onto my hands and to the palms, onto my knees and onto the palms of my feet, of my hands. So in other words, it's trying to put him upright, but he can't get further than leaning on all four. And he said to me, Daniel, Daniel, the beloved man, man, Understand the things that I am saying to you. And stand where you belong. Because now I have been sent to you. And as the angel is telling me this, I stood trembling. And he said to me, Don't be afraid, because he sees he's still trembling. From the first day when you started trying to understand and you started fasting, meaning the first day of your fasting before God, your words were understood, your words were accepted. And I came because of your words. But what took me so long? Why did it take three, months, three, three weeks for me to come? But the Sar, the heavenly prince of the of the Persian kingdom, opposed me, for twenty one days. and behold, Michael one of the first, the most important angels, Bala Ozreni, came to help me deal with this attack by the Persian angelic minister. And I had to stay there alone with the king of with the kings of Paras. I was fighting him alone for 21 days, and then finally Michael came to my aid. Michael is identified as the Tsar of Bnei Israel. The Zohar tells us that every nation has a Tsar, has an um, angel who is responsible for him. Up in heaven, Michael is our Tsar, is our angel, and the Persian angel was opposing this angel that was speaking to Daniel until finally Michael came in to, you know, break the tie. Pasuk Yudalit. And I've come to tell you, to give you to understand what will happen to your people, the Acharit Hayamim, at the end of days. The end of days means it's not going to happen so soon. It could mean the rebuilding of the temple, the first, the second temple, but it's not going to happen immediately. Because there is another vision. There's still more to come that you did not yet see in your vision. And when he spoke to me these words, I looked down to the ground, I put my face towards the ground, and I was dumbfounded. Elam is somebody who is dumb, who cannot speak. And behold, 
Something with the image of that appeared like a human being touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and I spoke. And I said to the one standing opposite me, When I had the vision, my Lord, when I had the vision, my joints were all shuddering. And I couldn't hold on to my strength. So how can this servant of my Lord speak with my Lord? From now on, no strength will remain in me and no breath is left in me. Now notice the angel touches his lips and he's able to speak. We have the same image by Yeshayahu and by Yechaskel as they prophesize as well, that an angel touched them on their lips and they're able to speak. So what does he say when he's able to speak? He's saying, I can't do this. You're too strong for me. I cannot withstand this. So what happens? Pasuk Yudchet. Once again, the one who had the likeness of a man touched me again. Okay, and he strengthened me. So he touches him again, and he's able to strengthen him and encourage him. And he said, Don't be afraid, greatly beloved man. Notice Daniel is called Ishamudot. He didn't eat Lechem Hamudot. Shalom Lach, peace be unto you. Chazak vechazak, go stronger and stronger. And when he spoke to me, I strengthened myself. And I said, Speak, my Lord, because you have strengthened him. Notice the greeting, Shalom Lach. We also know Gid'on, when he greets the angels, if the angel is also greeted with Shalom Lach, back in Shoftim, Perak Vav. So he goes on to ask him a rhetorical question, Pasukhaf. Okay, Vayomer, and the angel said, Hayadata lama bati elecha, do you know why I came here? Vaata ashuvli lachem imsar paras, and now I have to go back and fight with the heavenly prince of paras. Vaani yotze, and then I'll depart. Vihine, but behold, Saryavanba, the, the, Sar, the advocate, the heavenly advocate of Yavan is going to come. What is he telling him? That as soon as Persia falls, you will be subjugated by Greece. Aval, however, agid lachat harashum bichtav emet. I will tell you what is written in the truthful writing. Ve'en echad mitchazeki mi al ele. There is nobody who reinforces me against these angels. Ki im Michael sarchem, except for Michael, your angel, your advocate. So he identifies Michael as the advocate for the Jewish people, and he says he's the only one that's going to be able to. Um, to, to stand up against any of these other nations. Pasuk, you, sorry, and we're going to end over here. We will continue with this prophecy in Parakut Aleph, Bezrat Hashem, in the next Shior. Just wanted to remind you once again that we know that the Parak divisions, the chapter divisions of the, um, of the books of Tanakh, with the exception of Tehillim, are a Christian invention which came about basically when they were using, um, when they were disputing Tanakh with the Jews, and they used this to locate different places in Tanakh. It is much more convenient than to say Parasha Pitucha, Parasha Stuma, etc. So we retained those divisions. Now, just so that we have a quick little chronology, since this chapter was shorter, I'd like to just review with you the chronology of the kings of Persia. We know of Cyrus, who ruled from 538 to 530 BCE, Cambyses, Darius I, who ruled from 
who is known in Tanakh as Daryavish HaParsi or Daryavish the Great, and Xerxes, who many claim was the Ahasuerus of the Megillah. We then have Darius II, Artaxerxes II, who is the king who, whose butler was Nehemiah and who gave approval to build the walls of Yerushalayim. Josephus, however, says that that's Ahasuerus of the Megillah. We then have Darius the, uh, sorry, um, Artaxerxes III, followed by Arses, and then Darius III. Darius III was killed by Alexander the Great in battle. However, Chazal in Seder Olam lists only three Persian kings. They list Cyrus, Ahasuerus, and Darius, without a number, um, who was, and then who was succeeded by Alexander the Great. Um, this is really the cause of the discrepancy between standard chronology and the chronology of Seder Olam. According to standard chronology, the year of Shivat Zion was 538 BCE, and the year that the Diodokai rose to power was 312 BCE, which is a total of 226 years. During that period, the, um, the, the Seder Olam chronology doesn't jive with this, and there's actually a discrepancy of 168 years. Now, we do know that Darius I was defeated by the Greeks at the Battle of Marathon in the year 490 BCE, but it's generally accepted that that wasn't the Darius who was defeated by Alexander the Great. Rather, that was Darius II or third, depending on who, um, on which historian you read. Now, according to Rav Yaakov Medan of Gush Etzion, the discrepancy can ex- be explained quite simply. And he writes, the simplest explanation would, would seem to be that the three kings named in our text include Cyrus among them. They are Cyrus, Cambyses, and Darius IV. First, the fourth who will become greatly wealthy and will awaken the Greek Empire is Xerxes, Achashverosh, who decided to conquer Greece and was defeated by the Greek armies in the Battle of Thermopylae on land and the Battle of Salamis at sea. That happened in about the year 480 BCE. The Greek victory was so decisive that it may be considered as having set in motion the process of the gradual decline of the Persian Empire and the rise of the Greek states until the ascent of Alexander some 150 years later. So Rabbi Yaakov Midan sees this, rather than seeing it as what we could say is digital, yes, no, on, off, but more analog, the idea being that the, that the, the, king, the, the control of the area was somewhat fluid. Pezran Hashem, next time we are going to continue, now that we've stated the prologue, we are going to continue with what the prophecy is going to be about the three kings and the four kings that I mentioned over here. It is a rather long parak. It may take us more than one shiur. And then we will finally conclude with a short shiur on parak 12, the final chapter of Sefer Daniel. I wish you all a great day.